Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Now it will. Yep. Hey guys, sorry. Uh, you know, it's always exciting to set up the show on the road on short notice. I flew in like literally like an hour ago. So then I had to watch the end of that game. And then, you know, get the show set up in short order. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, interesting game. Obviously, the Falcons falling to the Saints, unfortunately, 21-18. to 18, uh, In a very up-and-down performance, right? A uh, lot of emotions, a lot of takes. Uh, so we're going to be here to break it all down. I've got a wonderful crew here to help me do it. First of all, you know him, Al, uh, Alan Sterk, my co-host for the post-game shows. He's at Alan Sterk on Twitter. Alan, how are you doing today? Uh, all things considered, well, uh, I'm not going to try to bring up the World Cup because I know this audience wants to stick to football, so I'll stick to football. And, yeah, that was a bit of a disappointing game. But, you know, <laughs> me, me personally, I'm still kind of on cloud nine after watching the greatest soccer game ever to be played. Yeah, I caught a little bit of it. I'm not a big soccer guy, but uh, maybe we can touch on it, like, late in the show because it was an excellent sporting event. Like, even if you don't watch soccer, it was an excellent mm-hmm. sporting event. Uh, no question. No question whatsoever there. Uh, also with us, we have Adnan Ikic at Say Which Way. Adnan, how are you doing today? I'm doing... I was doing better a few hours ago, honestly. Um, shit, I was <laughs> better when, when the Falcons were driving down by only three. But Yeah, that yeah. Uh, that's what I'm so mad about. Like, I, I hate to cut you off. I, I, I'm just really triggered by that. So, yeah. Finish your thought, please. I'm, I'm, oh, I'm yeah, so triggered. Saying, uh, here we are. I mean... I wouldn't mind talking about the World Cup final for an hour over that. The <laughs> same people are here for. Yeah, uh, the people are here to rant about the fact that the Falcons <laughs> have now um, tied the Saints in all-time head-to-head series at fifty-four. After the Saints have gone twenty-four and ten since two thousand six, so it's been a really bad run for the Falcons against the Saints in the past couple decades or so. Yeah, it's been it's been difficult here recently. But yeah, to me, we got to start with it's just so frustrating the end of this game. Like Desmond Ritter and I have a good game. Like no no pretending. It was not a good game. I think there's a lot we can criticize outside of Ritter. I mean, putting him in a 0 to 14 hole immediately. That certainly do didn't do him any favors. I don't think the play calling did him any favors. Uh and then I think he was deprived of a chance for a game-winning drive by by Drake London's fumble. I mean, that was a dagger. He hit that just completely key fourth and five pass to to Drake London, and Drake London had been having a great game to to be clear. Like, and then it gets fumbled, and so we're now we're robbed of the upper, like Ritter did not have a good game, but if he put it together on that last drive, which is something he was known for in college, like struggling early and really getting hot at the end of games, like I I just. It would have been so 
I just feel like we were robbed of a chance for him to actually recover from his early game struggles on that drive. I, I felt like it was gonna happen after that Drake London catch, and then it just—I feel like we were robbed of it. But you guys talk about that too. Yeah, it was a hell of a defensive play, kind of like what yeah. the Saints have been doing the past decade when it comes to forcing fumbles. Very fitting. They have the least amount of takeaways this season, yet they still manage to have that classic punch out that they tend to do against the Falcons. Uh, but other than that, like, yeah, I thought he bounced back nicely in the second half, but I thought a lot of it just came down to the fact that the Falcons were pounding the Saints into submission. Like, you look at, like, Tyler Algier. Obviously, that's his best game of the season, but it was, like, kind of – I don't know if you guys remember this one from 09. It was a a Monday night game between the Falcons and the Saints where, like, Michael Turner had to break at least 15 tackles that game. It was, like, one of the most impressive individual running back performance I've ever seen in my life. Like, that was kind of reminiscent. Like, Algier just was – defenders were just bouncing off them. And I just thought with the running game, how it was just completely taking over. I was like, okay, Ritter, now we'll get cleaner opportunities to throw to the ball. Maybe the Saints will now put more bodies in the box. And we saw him play better in the second half, but it's just, look, I know it hurts, but you got to give credit to the Saints. They made a timely play, which they've tended done over the past decade when it comes to those turnovers. You know, turnovers ultimately win games, and the Saints managed to do it. Yeah, it was frustrating. And, like, Adnan, did you have anything you wanted to add on that before we move on? I'm sorry. Um, no, just with Ritter, I to be honest, I don't like what I saw from him overall until the very end. In the end, he looked a lot better, and it looked like he was settling in. And I think Arthur Smith did not help him at all with his play calling in the first half. Um, we predicted it uh, on the Wednesday show that, you know, I, I figured that first play of the game, he may go deep just to catch the Saints off guard. Yeah. I, I liked seeing that. I, was I did like that. I did like that too, yeah. I like it. I didn't like going deep the next two passes as well because it's it's like, oh, all right, you didn't catch them off guard there. Um, and every single pass, they didn't give Ritter any easy throws. They didn't give him anything to establish a rhythm. It was just go out there and just, you know, try to catch them sleeping deep uh it didn't work out i think if had they run the ball in the second half the way they did in the first or had they run the ball in the first half the way they did in the second half i think that the the result would have been different uh overall but you know in the end ritter ritter looked like a rookie um if you're ever going to give him if you're ever going to give anyone a pass it, it would be uh giving him a pass with his first game ever being in New Orleans, but he was learning from his mistakes toward the end. He wasn't forcing it as much. And on that last drive, I think he could have really been established as a hero, so to speak, because the Falcons were already in field goal range. Uh, If Drake London goes down, like the Falcons are at the very least in field goal range down only three and London cannot fumble that ball. Like, (laughs) Like the the Saints, uh, I get it was a hell of a defensive play, but you have got to hold on to that ball if you're Drake London. Like I, I've seen people tweeting at me that, oh yeah, he's just a rookie. It happens, but there is a difference between rookie mistakes, where it's like you know Ritter trying to feel out uh, uh, an NFL defensive line speed for the first time going through his reads, and there's a difference between a mistake that you'd get chewed out for even in college, you know, if you're, it doesn't matter. Like it doesn't matter how long you've been in the game. You, you know that you can't, you have to hold on to the ball. And yeah, in the end, the Falcons essentially fumbled the game away when they at the very least should have, you know, tied it 
at the very worst there because you were in Young Waiku's uh, field goal range. So, so that that that's just that's just well, that's just super frustrating. Like that's I, I would have rather lost this game, not having been that close than you know than what we saw because Tyler Algier definitely deserved to win today. Um, yeah. You know that he he put on. I don't remember the last time a Falcons running back had a performance like that. Yeah, I think what was it like seven or eight third down conversions? Like, yeah, he had, he had a great game. Um, so big shout out to Tyler Algier. He, they weren't he all the third and sports yeah. either. It was like third and four, third and thirteen, like third and six. Like he was converting all. Yeah, it's a great game by Tyler Algier, and and I I I like the fight from the team to fight back. You know, down fourteen zero, um, they you know, they definitely put themselves in position where they had a chance to win this game and they just didn't do it. And like I said, I, I was upset that we didn't get to see Ritter have a shot to, to at least tie the game there um, because of the fumble by Drake London. But this team's not there yet. This was this was Desmond Ritter's first start. So let's put everything in context. Like, I know people are saying we're being too harsh on Ritter and I don't think we are. Like, we're not saying he needs to be benched or we need to go back to Mariota or anything like that. Like, I think for all of us, this is... This isn't too far away from what I was expecting from Ritter. I think this was a. I was. I think if he had had the chance to like make this comeback, it probably would have ended up about where I thought. Like not great, but made enough plays that this team had a chance to to win. And and we've said it. Like the first half was not great. I don't think the play calling did him any favors. I I think they were way too aggressive with him. And I. Ritter loves to take shots. That's sort of his thing in college. They love to go after the one-on-ones and, and he's, he's going to throw those. And that's something that I don't think like you can't hate Ritter's game today. Right. And, and hate Mariota's game because they're completely polar opposites. Ritter today threw the ball into tight windows to a fault. Even sometimes like he would like, he did not throw the ball away. He did not get rid of it. He did not run out of bounds more than a few times. Like he, he threw that ball into tight windows with accuracy. I thought, um, and I think there were some good plays by the saints. There were a lot of pass breakups by the saints that were well-thrown balls by Ritter that were just defended very well by the saints and Ritter gave his guys a chance to make the plays. So I, I will give him props for that. The stats weren't good. The plays weren't necessarily made, but I think that on on balance, it was okay. It, it wasn't great. Ritter put the ball in danger quite a few times. Um, but he's also a rookie making his first start ever on the road in New Orleans. And if you watch the live broadcast feed, you, they brought up, of all, there's only been a handful of rookie quarterbacks that have ever won their first start in New Orleans, like in NFL history. Um, and a lot of very good quarterbacks lost their first starts in new orleans it and like we weren't just joking around when we said oh yeah going into new orleans to play what is a good pass defense on on statistically on balance like they're a top 10 pass defense it's a tough start for a rookie in their first game none of that is false none of that is wrong like we were not lying to you or feeding you a line of crap when we said that so i'm not upset with this performance by ritter it doesn't dampen my enthusiasm for him or my spirits or my sort of thoughts about where he can be as a quarterback but it I think a lot of people got really hyped about the game and I understand it because it's fun we haven't seen a rookie quarterback start in Atlanta since Matt Ryan like it's been a long time since we've had this level of enthusiasm I totally understand everything 
I tried to tell people, like, relax. You can be excited. That's cool. Like, be excited. But don't let it get you to the point where you're going to be frustrated if Ritter struggles in his first game, which is exactly what happened. Um, all that being said, I think he had a chance to win this game, should have had a chance to win this game, and we would be singing a completely different tune if if Drake Lynn... I, I feel like, and this is purely conjecture because we don't know what would have happened after that Drake London catch. I feel like he would he was leading them on a game-winning touchdown drive. That's my personal opinion. We have no idea of knowing if that would have really happened and would the defense have protected the lead after that? Who knows? But, um, you know, I, so like, I'm not saying he played bad. I don't think he played good. I think it was a, a seriously up-and-down performance. But for a rookie in his first game, on balance, I'm fine with it. I don't think it's, like, alarmingly bad. I don't think the accuracy was poor. I think he took a lot of shots. I think he took a lot of tight window throws, some of which I would not advise for most NFL quarterbacks. But um, I, if you were tired of Marcus Mariota not taking the chances, not putting the ball on target, not doing these things, you shouldn't be upset with Ritter for doing these things and just have them not working. Like... This style of play is going to open you up to more potential interceptions. It's also going to open you up to more great plays. And he connected with London on a number of what I thought were very good tight window throws. And that's the type of receiver London is. He's got to hold on to the damn ball. Like, I mean, that's something. But other than that, I mean, it it is what it is. But on the whole, I'll, I'll give you guys each a chance to, to sort of weigh in. Because this is sort of the big topic now that the Falcons are more or less officially eliminated from contention with this loss. Um... Alan, I'll go to you first. On the whole, what do you what do you think about Ritter's performance, given your expectations going into this? Uh, expectations weren't particularly high. I just thought maybe the decision making was better. Because one thing you've heard about Ritter is just how much of a you know high football IQ, great communicator, and we all know how good his communication was. Because obviously, the New Orleans hostile environment, this on the field, and I assume you know he does have the locker room support. But I just thought his decision making, not even just a thrower, just when it came to not even handling pressure either. It's just whenever the read wasn't there, it just, he always seemed to be going right into the offensive lineman's back. Like he wasn't moving laterally. He just kept moving vertically. It's just like, you keep running into these offensive linemen, you're going to lose your balance or you're going to get run to a sack. And it happened like multiple times, ironically on third down. So I just think his pocket awareness was the most disappointing aspect yeah. of his game. Like I just thought there was times where the, I thought the Falcons all line held up relatively well. Like this is one of the rare times Cam Jordan really didn't have a big impact in the game. Like I think his biggest play was a face mask, which mm-hmm. led to the two point conversion. So the fact that I thought the offensive line held it up relatively well. And look, we don't know if it was purely the offensive line or the amount of max protector are using. That's something you see through the film. But uh, I think that's probably the most disappointing thing from Ritter is just, I thought he was a little too much jittery for my liking, but look, he's a rookie. I don't want to be too hard on him. Um, it was really nice to see him in London have a great report because if you were following the, the pregame coverage, you know, even heading into this game, like there were interviews coming out talking about how they built up a really good report. So it was good to see them connecting. And like they need London at this point because he's their only serious threat in the passing game. So yeah, uh, that, that was probably the best part of it. But overall, I'm still pretty let down by his performance. But look, we don't need to be outraged by it. New Orleans still has a relatively good defense. Say what you want about Dennis Allen, the coach, but Dennis Allen, defensive coordinator, is one of the best in the league. So, hostile environment, good defense. It was going to be a tall order for him. So, yeah, uh, that's that's pretty much my summary of it. No, I I agree with that. I I think that's reasonable. And like whatever you think about the Saints' offense, the defense 
has been pretty good. I think they were like 11th in points and 10th in, in, I think they were 9th in yards per attempt or something in the passing game. So like this is a, a well above average pass defense. Um, and it's a, it's a just an incredibly hostile place to play. And it's also a rivalry game. So like yeah. that stadium was loud as hell. So like if Ritter was jittery, I, I, I basically agree with everything you said. I, I, that was the one thing that I thought he just didn't, he didn't look calm. And I, I think getting down 14 zero probably had a lot to do with that. You can't agree. You, you feel like you have to make something happen because you're down 14 points. And I think he did calm down a little bit more late. And I, I, he felt, I felt like he was dealing on that last drive that, that drive I think felt very crisp up until that fumble. Um, <clears throat> so I, it's, it just, again, makes me mad. Cause it's like, we were robbed of an opportunity for him to, to grow and show like, oh yes, late in this game, I'm going to do what I need to do to win this game. Um, but yeah, Adnan, what, what are your thoughts sort of overall on Ritter's game? I think I'm a little harder on him. I, I didn't like what I saw for the most part at all, to be honest. Um, and not all of that is his fault. Um, going down 14, nothing is really, is a really unfair hand to be dealt. And I think Arthur Smith did nothing to sort of, you know, help out the rookie the way he should have, the way, you know, it was just infuriating seeing the way that um, he sort of protected Mariota and sort of treated him with kid gloves throughout the year with some of the the play calling. And then when Desmond Ritter comes in, who, you know, also needs to be afforded that, needs to be handled like that for the most part, at the very least at the beginning of the game, he just sort of threw Desmond Ritter to the Sharks a little bit with some of those play calls. But I really didn't like the decision making overall. Like one thing, what well, one thing that nobody's mentioned is the fact that he should have thrown a pick six. Yes, third drive. Right. When, yeah. It, yeah. when it was fourteen nothing, the Falcons had it inside the five. He made an inex- inexplicably really bad throw, which should have gone the other way. But luckily, the New Orleans Saints defender, you know, couldn't get a couldn't corral it. Um, and the Falcons ended up with with a field goal there. He should have thrown an interception on the first play of the second half, um, where it was again a really bad throw. He did he had all the time and space in the pocket in the world, and luckily the defender didn't get control of it before stepping out of bounds. But I am happy to see that he wasn't forcing those throws later on in the half. He was taking the yardage that the, that the defense was giving him. So. That was a that was like a green check that you wanted to see from him, that the adjustment you wanted to see him make. But you know, overall, I thought he also had displayed some happy feet a little bit too much, yes. where you know he just couldn't wait to run out of the pocket. Uh, and I mean that works in college a lot of the time, especially when you when when the defenses you're facing aren't really the best, and Cincinnati didn't really have the best schedule. Um, but you can't really do that in the NFL. But that's something that'll come with instincts. It'll come with time. Um, but overall, despite all of it, he still should. We're singing a completely different tune right now. Maybe if Drake London doesn't fumble the ball, because yeah. that pass on fourth down was one of his best passes of the day. Like he caught London completely in stride. And, you know, he converted that fourth down. It was it was a play where you know he really displayed some uh he really displayed some balls on that play so to speak yeah. um and he really should have been afforded the opportunity to 
trying try and win the game on that drive. But overall, you, you know, you, you do give him a pass because this is the first game of his career. It is in New Orleans. This is why I I was screaming it on the live show for weeks that I wanted to give get him in the game in a home environment, preferably against the Bears after that Panthers game. Yeah. But instead, we waited to throw him out there against the Saints, which wasn't really super fair to him either. But overall, I will say, if he plays like he did today over the last four games, like that will worry me overall because yeah, you know we want to see improvement. Uh, he will get a couple of home games to to end the season, but he has got to look a lot better than he did today overall from a production standpoint before you can really feel comfortable going into the offseason with him as your as your plan a yeah and, and i think that's fair and i think we all weren't expecting to see like a legendary performance as much as we would have enjoyed something like that like that's not something i was expecting i i think if this is how he looks three games from now right like we're still he still looks like this he's still jittery he's still got the happy feet he's he's not comfortable and very erratic after three more games, then I think we have, it's more of an open question what the Falcons do at quarterback, but he's got three more games. Um, let's give him some time. Let's give him some patience. You know, there's so many tropes with this, right? You could go back to Peyton Manning had a horrible rookie season, that sort of thing. Like we don't need to go down that road, but like give the guy a few games before you start panicking, you know, um, and, and give him an opportunity to, to grow. Um, He's got a tough, tough game next week against Baltimore. That one's just as tough um, in terms of the defense he's going to be going up against. Probably an easier game against the Ravens, or excuse me, against the Cardinals. And then, you know, we get the Bucks, and, and that one's going to be really important. But the pressure of the playoffs is not no longer realistically there, you know, no matter what happens with the Bucks today. Um, it would be great if they could beat him, but if they could beat the, the Bucks, certainly. But, uh, you know, we'll see. But at the end of the day, um, I just wanted to see, I want, I wanted to see him look different than Mariota. Like what I wanted was I want someone to attempt these tight window throws and I, I want to see this passing game be more aggressive. And I think that's, we did see that. Like that's one thing I I'm really proud of him, uh, today was he was willing to throw those tight window throws. Like Sometimes to a fault, right? Like you talk about the near interceptions and the, the pick six, like the almost pick six and that sort of thing. Um, but he was, he did not shy away from that. And that was one thing Mariota basically refused to do was to give his receivers a chance. And, and Ritter perhaps did a little too much, but this passing game can't function if you're not willing. The NFL, I mean, you can't be an NFL quarterback if you're not willing to throw those balls. Um, and Ritter clearly is willing to do it. He just needs to get a little more comfortable, get a little more settled. And like, he looked like he had connection with Ritter, but or excuse me, Ritter looked like he had connection with Drake London, but the the, the chemistry with the other receivers just doesn't seem like it's all the way there yet. Um, so hopefully that'll come over the next few games as well. Uh, but on the whole, it was okay. Uh, not great, not awful, okay. Um, and we're going to move on, you know, to next week. He'll have another week of practice as a starting quarterback, which you can't really repli replicate that either, right? Like it... If you're not the starting quarterback, you're the scout, you're the scout team quarterback. So let's see how he looks. Um, and and we need to talk about the defense too because that's a whole other mess. And there's a lot that happened obviously prior, like immediately prior to the game. Which 
leads me to give the defense a little bit of a pass in this one, but we, we'll get to that. I do want to read off some donations first before we move on to the defense. Um, and of course, we got to give Tyler Algier his flowers because that man's a goddamn hero. Um, so uh, we got Nico with the $3. <laughs> he says, Kevin, on a scale of 1 to 10, how pissed off were you at Arthur Smith's play calling today? Um, for like the first like three quarters, it was like 7, 8. The last quarter I thought was better. So I, I came I came down to like a five, but like those Felipe Frank's trick plays, just throw those oh, out, man. Throw oh, those the like. Oh. What are we doing? Like, it's not enough to have your rookie quarterback just making his. No, you have to make him do all this stupid shit with Felipe Frank's. Like, can, can we, we just, do a, a, yeah. a team investigative report <laughs> for the last two seasons? Has a, a, any design play for Felipe Frank's either gone more than two yards or not a negative play? I've never seen a Felipe Frank's play go for like a notable positive gain in the two years he's been in the league. Yeah. Like at some point, when does the experiment stop? It should have stopped last year. It should have stopped a while sad. ago. The first, the, the best time was like you know last season. The next best time is now. So uh, honestly, <laughs> I, I truly think that. What didn't help was Taysom Hill, like, making plays and making that 60-yard <laughs> pass. And then, like, Arthur Smith was probably like, oh, well, I have my own version of that. He so, always like, does it, though. We have Taysom Hill at home. Yeah. Yeah, he but, always like, does Immediately, it. like, after that Taysom Hill touchdown. And, by the way, like, Richie Grant deserves criticism for yeah, he, that he terrible, terrible play. No, this is the second time Richie Grant has gotten completely burned for – a 60-plus-yard touchdown. The first time was to Tyler Boyd. You are the safety of the team. You yeah. can't be getting burned. Like You can't let the receiver get behind you, and you can't gamble like that. That was, you know, that was terrible play from Richie Grant, and I, I know he's also young, but Rashid Shahid is a very, very dangerous player. He has gotten yeah. some very long touchdowns this season, and, you know, it's it's unacceptable that you let him get behind you like that. But, you know, Right after that, like, play, I think Felipe Franks was, like, deploy, I think, on, on the second play right after that, which didn't help the Pelicans at all. Yeah, that that's absolutely true. Um, Yeah, oh, oh, there's so many things, so many things we got to get to, but yeah. Uh, let me let me keep going on these donations so we don't get behind. Um, Let me get to the next one here. All right, we got George Costanza. What's up, George? Says, what the $5? Thanks so much, brother. Says, uh, to be fair, Ritter targeted Kyle Pitts just about as many times today as Mariota did on most Sundays. Oh. <laughs> yeah, nice. Great. Good one, George. Yeah, yeah. Also, you know, donation to the Senior Bowl Fund. Thank you so much, George. Appreciate that, man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's not wrong. He's not. He would, Ritter right now is, you know, just about as much on target as uh, Mariota was to, uh, to Kyle Pitts, so. Um, too, and that too, too yeah, easy too easy yeah this, yeah that's the layup there uh we got Corey with the five dollars he says i was looking at the big picture for this season um so so for over the last four falcons faced the saints then a kylerless cardinals team a ja- a potentially lamar jacksonless ravens and then the bucks doesn't matter yeah doesn't matter you but then but, uh, yeah Exactly, and he says, and then it all came down to week week eighteen, but we couldn't even get past step one, and yeah, I mean that's how it is um the good news is that, like, if the Falcons didn't get back into playoff contention, they're back into contention for a potential, you know, top eight or better draft pick. That's what we need to be talking about. Yeah, so draft takes. We need to be talking about the draft pick and getting as high of a pick as possible at this point. Yeah. So, you know, draft takes are coming, and 
Um, For the record, right now the Falcons are seven. Yeah, yeah, pretty good. So that's not bad. It, that's not. Yeah, bad. it is pretty good. Yeah, the the Saints leapfrog the Eagles like leapfrogged us because Saints were dumb enough to trade their first rounder this year. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so you, you know what? Lose to the Cardinals and you could be top five. Yeah. Hey, good point. Good point. Yeah, I mean it's um, yeah, it, it's a difficult spot, but it. If the good news is, if if the team struggles, they'll have a better draft pick and they'll have uh they'll have op- opportunities to to get players and like you guys all all know, you've heard us talk about it. The Falcons are working with sixty percent of the salary cap this year. They will have after releasing Marcus Mariota, I believe they'll have the most cap space in the NFL next year. Obviously, you have to create, you know, you have to actually sign good players. So that's the other half of that you know situation yeah yeah you can't just sign bums but um they have a terrific opportunity next season to to reverse their fortunes and really invest and what you're seeing right now is a roster that's been cobbled together with with discount players one-year deals and and rookies and it looked you know again it it looks like it a lot of the time especially on defense like i mean you guys all know you don't we don't have to tell you that but um it's it's a tough watch sometimes, and I, I don't blame anyone for being frustrated. But um, going to the defensive side, um, let me let me get to George's donation real quick. And if you guys want to donate too, we're doing our Senior Bowl fundraiser right now. We really appreciate all those donations going towards the travel fund. Uh, you can donate there at the link in the show description. It's uh, streamlabs.com/slash/thefalcoholic/slash/tip. Uh, we appreciate all of that. Uh, give us a like and subscribe if you're enjoying the show. Appreciate that too. Uh, if you happen to be listening to to this on the podcast audio later uh leave us a five-star review if you are so inclined we appreciate that too so thanks everybody um let me get to george's donation real quick and then we will uh go on to the defense because kind of a complicated story there unfortunately um george with the one dollar says don't really have anything else of substance to add oh thank you george uh he says the game was boring but let's not overblow this hostile environment tough defense no kyle pitts and ritter making his first start can't emphasize that enough uh, Ritter was just, you know, meh, but give it time. Give it time. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's a very level-headed take, George. It's very un-George Costanza-like of you to give such a reasoned take. Because uh, I have watched all of Seinfeld now, George, so if you want to throw some Seinfeld references in there, I will understand them now. You inspired me to watch that show. It was very good. It was a good show. Uh, top-notch. I uh, didn't understand all the pop cul- culture references, because it's a little bit before my time, but, you know. Uh, not, not much now, because I'm an old man. At this point, or I will be in a couple months. But um, <laughs> anyway, let's uh, let's move on to the defense. Unfortunately, Dean Pease was collided with by a Saints player uh, prior to the game. Was taken to the hospital. Apparently, he is okay. He was released from the hospital. He will be returning on the flight with the Falcons back to Flowery Branch. So that's good news. But the Saints can't take out opposing players. Everybody was tweeting at me, Bounty Gate 2.0. You know, they, they're taking out the coaches now or something. Um, so it's uh, obviously that is not going to do anything good for you. Like the Falcons defense wasn't playing well, but going to a completely different defensive play caller. I don't know if Frank Bush has even called defensive plays before. Maybe he has. I don't know. It it did not result in a good defensive game for the Falcons. Now, they only allowed 21 points, which is lower than, I believe, the league average in points per game. So, on the whole, that's not bad. It, they did definitely tighten up, especially in the second half. 
But um, defensively, getting into that 14-0 hole in like the first like two minutes or like like five minutes of the game, that's obviously bad. Um, but yeah, Adnan, what did you think about the defense today? Uh, sort of really rough start and then maybe a little bit better late, but what did you think? It looked putrid to start the game. Like on that first drive, the Falcons defense gave up two third and longs. Um, they gave up the touchdown to Juwan Johnson. They could not cover the tight end for the most part. They gave up the touchdown later on to Juwan Johnson as well. And Richie Grant just had that awful, awful play, which was just, you know, a quick six for Rashid Shahid on the Taysom Hill touchdown throw. Um, after that, the Falcons defense still gave up a lot of chunk yardage. They didn't really get too much pressure on Andy Dalton. Not 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 as much as you would have liked to see Dalton dinked and dunked you to death for good chunks of this game. But the defense still made the plays when they needed to make the plays to keep you in this game. Um, when it was 14 to 3, the Saints defense, the Saints offense was marching. They were in field goal range. And Arnold Abicady forces a huge fumble, um, which Lorenzo Carter recovers. Uh, the drive before, the Saints have a second in short. Grady Jarrett gets into the backfield, has a huge tackle for a loss, uh, followed by a false start, followed by a sack, and their drive completely derails. You know, later on in the game, I hated, I hated how the defense gave up a touchdown right after the Falcons scored their uh, touchdown to their first touchdown of the game. Uh, it was 21 to 10. But after that, the Falcons defense, you know, put together back to back three and outs, including a big sack, uh, which forced the Saints to pump in their own end zone. And the Falcons, as a result, got the ball at the 32 yard line following a really bad punt. So I think the defense, I'm not going to blame the defense for, uh, for this game, for this loss at all. Um, it looked like they were on pace to give up sort of a historic day after the first couple drives. But I think the defense made all of the plays necessary to win the game or to help or to put the offense in position to win the game. So, you know, I can't really hate on it. And also, you know, like you mentioned, to go from Dean Pease to a brand new play caller who's never called an NFL game before, plus the, you know, the psychological uh, implication and impact of, you know, your 72-year-old defensive coordinator having to be rushed to the hospital, like you know, that, all of that was was playing against, against the defense. Uh, and I, I think overall, after those first two drives, I think they put together you know, a really, really solid performance, even though the Saints were getting a lot of yardage. They made sure that the Saints couldn't really get any points out of that yard yardage except for on that one drive. And, you know, they even they even got that fourth down stop. Yeah. At the very Crucial. end of the game. Yeah, yeah to Could give the been. team mm-hmm. yeah, to give the team one final Hail Mary opportunity that the Saints had a third in inches and the defense stopped them twice. Um so you know, uh, I I think it was I think it was overall overall a good performance from the defense, and I think it was a borderline great performance after those first two drives specifically. Yeah, and I agree with you there. It's like I feel like the defense this year we've had we had such low expectations, and like they haven't been like good ever. But 
they've I think it's basically been like pretty much every single game they've given the Falcons offense a chance to win like without fail for the most part this is a a group that has basically given the Falcons offense an opportunity to win the game maybe not with a lot of time maybe not with a, a great field position or anything like that but like they have given this team an off an opportunity to potentially win the game um and that's about all you can expect from this. I mean, how I, like if you if you did the math and looked into how much money's invested in this defense, I bet it's comically low. Um, oh, it's it's bomb the league. It's like yeah. them and then Detroit. Yeah. yeah. So it's like this is a scraps defense. This is a a castoffs you know replacements level defense. Um, and I think they've done enough for so that the Falcons have had an opportunity to win most of these games, or at least have an opportunity to try. Um, and the offense hasn't capitalized. I mean, I honestly feel like of this, this, this stretch where they've lost five of six now, one game with Ritter and and five with Mariota, it's been the offense that's been the problem. And I mean, the defense hasn't been playing great, you know, holding teams to 10 points and, you know, forcing multiple turnovers and getting pick sixes and all this, like the 49ers. But like, I think they've allowed one score over or two scores now over 20 points in the last six games or something like that. Like they're, they're, they're doing enough that they should be able to win. And I hope that Ritter and this offense can take advantage um, at some point. Um, It's just frustrating, but yeah, Alan, what do you think about, about the defense in this one? I love the second half performance. I don't know what adjustments they made, but it just seemed like they were anticipating what Andy Dahl was going to do. Like you saw the Terrell breakup. You saw John Hawkins make a really impressive third down stop. Like it just, you just, I don't want to say a sense of urgency, but it just seemed like, okay, they're getting the ball a lot quicker. Like, like the, the, those tone setting plays matter. Like what Hawkins did, like you just saw like the swag of it, the tone of it. Everyone just, I think the team rode that momentum a bit. But uh, I love. I thought Lorenzo Carter and Rashawn Evans had strong games. I know they've been kind of up and down, but considering those two are on what one-year deals, I think they're kind of making their claim. Like maybe they could be brought back. Like these are the type of games you want to see from them. So those are positives. But look, as you know, look, there's still flaws though. Like I thought the interior line got bullied around. I think that's why the Saints had those long drives. It's just they couldn't really stop them against the run, which. Look, you have replacement level players. That's what's going to happen. And I was a little perplexed to why Trey Anderson was getting so many snaps. Like, I don't think he's played bad, but look, Michael Walker's played better in the past month. So that was a bit of a head scratcher. But besides that, I thought they held it together relatively well, minus a few breakdowns and not being able to cover Jawan Johnson. You know, yeah. you're gonna, they're going to take their lumps. But overall, you got like the spirit and you got like how they fought back in the second half. I agree. I think it on on balance, like it was, it was, it was early on. It was sort of shaping out to be like one of those, like oh crap, oh it's going to be the defense giving this up, but they they rebounded well, um, and and then it was sort of up to the offense to to get back in, and they did get back in. They just couldn't quite get over the finish line, and it was frustrating. But um, yeah, sort of. And then it is. I so, got mentioned the third down sacks multiple times. Yeah. Like they had Rashawn Evans coming like. From the B gap, just swinging in, and like him and Gray Jarrett had that chemistry. Lorenzo Carter had the edge pressure. Like, like it's I think it's this point that Ebiketti and Malone aren't quite doing much as edge rushers, but at least you're seeing contributions elsewhere. Because you know we've seen so many games this year where the pocket's perfectly clean. At least this game, they caused some disruption. Yeah, like you know Malone had a couple of flash plays. You know that one tackle for loss really stood out. I think Abdullah Anderson had a couple of nice plays. Like they've. Did. I feel like they have a lot of good pieces, but no like 
blue chip guys other than Grady Jarrett. It's just like and AJ Terrell. Yeah, and AJ Terrell. Yeah, he's. I think AJ Terrell honestly, since coming back from injury, has been like a, like twenty twenty one AJ Terrell. Like he's been that, great. So yeah, that Washington game, I think, really. Oh launched yeah, him. yeah. And so like that's great. Like if we if we know we have twenty twenty one AJ Terrell back, that's really good going forward. Obviously, the rest of the secondary is the safeties really struggled today. That that was a bad mm-hmm. bad day from them. But they just need blue chip guys like at every level, except. You know, the defensive line, too. Like, they really need a blue-chip edge. Um, and they're, they're going to have the opportunity to spend. Uh, and, like, I think going out and getting a top safety like a Jesse Bates makes just so much sense. They really need a veteran there. Um, I, I think Richie Grant can be one of your starting safeties. But I think Jalen Hawkins just isn't a high enough ceiling guy to be your other starter. I think he's a perfectly fine third safety. I think he's a fine stopgap starter. But, like, I think we've seen that he just doesn't offer enough as a starter to really be an impact guy. Misses um, tackles too. Like he had yeah. a couple of bad misses and yeah. just those are the types of things that are frustrating, especially against a team that, you know, likes to create after the catch, they have those playmakers. Yeah. So it's, they need, and then, you know, at linebacker, like I agree, like Troy Anderson hasn't been playing well. I think they're making a concerted effort to get him more snaps in these final four games under this, you know, kind of under the idea, like we've said, like they're more or less out of playoff contention. So you want to get your young guy snaps and he needs the snaps and it's like, at least with Anderson, you see the flash plays. Like, he'll have some crazy athletic play, and then he'll just take bad angles or not drop far enough in his zone or whatever. So it's like, those are things that are correctable. Like, since he's such a great athlete, you, you know that, like, oh, we can coach him up to, to take better zone drops and coach him up to take better angles to the ball and fix his tackling technique. You can't coach his 10 out of 10 athleticism. So, like, we can get him there, and, like, I think with this coaching staff more than some other ones, I have confidence that they can coach guys up. You know, we've seen it, especially on the offensive line this this year. I mean, big time. Um, but yeah, it right now the Falcons are a frustrating watch. They just are. Um, and I don't blame anyone for being frustrated and being upset. But like, let's not call for the coaches to be fired. Like, this team was already 5-8 and eight going into this game. I hope you didn't have just tremendous expectations for this game. Um, they're five and nine. They're probably looking at their top 10 draft pick, but 2023 is when we need, it's put up or shut up time for this regime. And, and, and I think you're going to see everyone sort of hold their feet to the fire and be like, all right, like we've given you grace. We've given you patience. We know you had to dig out of a bad situation for years. Um, but the time has come like to put up or shut up. Like you need to take the money that you have sign impact players draft, a good class and we need to be competing for the playoffs right now. Like 2023 we're done waiting. Like it's, it's time now to be competitive. And I don't think it's out. I think it's with well within the realm of reason that they they could be there. Um, yeah. How many regimes, and I'm not saying that they didn't deserve to get this, but how many regimes get two years of a grace period overall, right. especially in today's NFL Great. where, you know, it's a win now business and, you know, the pressure is always, you know, win right away. But, you know, in fairness, yeah, the least Arthur Blank could do was give them at the very least one year because it was his mistake in keeping Dan Quinn and Dimitrov for as long as he did, which set the team back a year. But, yeah, no, I definitely agree. 2023, if we're sitting here at 5-9 and nine next year, 6-8, and eight, then we can have some, you know, more difficult conversations 
Yeah. But yeah, right now the team was working with the most dead money in the NFL. Um, and you know, they were they've been untangling the mess from the last regime uh for the past these past two off seasons. But now, you know, twenty twenty three needs to be you know, needs to be the first time that the Falcons go above 500 since 2017. 2023 needs to be, you know, the first year where the team is actually legitimately competing for the playoffs down the stretch. And, and I don't mean like the past two seasons of, you know, the teams around you are terrible and you're terrible and you're technically competing for the playoffs. I mean, like you need to be in the playoff picture and, you know, you need to be winning some of these one-score games that you've been losing this season. Um, but, yeah, like, next year is the year to be evaluating. And next year, you know, for what it's worth, I think I trust Arthur Smith. And I, I think that he'll have he'll have the guys right next season. But for the love of God, stop getting too cute when, well, when you're supposed to just run the ball against stop. a team that can't stop it. Stop with the Felipe Franks, for the love of God. Yeah, like, can we? You're no, not good enough to be an asshole. No disrespect. <laughs> Maybe a little bit. Maybe just a little bit of disrespect. Yeah, I think it's appropriate at this point. But you know, not like disrespecting him as a person, Felipe. You seem like a really nice guy, and I know you're you're making a position change. So I, we don't. I don't blame Felipe. I blame Arthur Smith for trusting that a guy that's changing to a new position deserves all these plays designed for him. Like. The worst Let's, part is if, if we see Felipe Franks, you know, just lighting it up in training camp again next year, we'll be like, okay, like this happened last year too. Yeah. Like, yeah, Kevin, you're gonna have like seven videos. I know he was he was so good. He was so good in training camp. I'm just I just can't believe that he hasn't even caught a pass. Like he literally is still not. I don't even think he's caught a pass. Like I, I think Mariota tried against Tampa, but it was like 15 yards yeah, overthrown. Because he has you know like what, three or four targets and no yeah. catches. It's like what are we doing? Too, like yeah, at least one drop. Yes, um, it's just like man, what are we doing? Like. What are we doing? You've got Anthony Ferkser. You've got Michael Pruitt, a.k.a. the Red Zone God. And, like, you know, also there was a guy named Kyle Pitts, and we're trying to scheme up plays for, you know, obviously Kyle Pitts isn't there right now, but, like, we're mm-hmm. trying to scheme up plays for Felipe Franks, and maybe just, maybe we just need to stop that. You know, maybe we just need to move on from the Franks dream um, at this point, Arthur. But, uh, look. Tyler Algier, I do want to give him his flowers. Just a great game. Tremendous performance from Algier. He did a great job. Um, this was his best game. He looked, I mean, he looked like an RB1 in this one, like for sure. Yeah. That that uh, two-point conversion, like that yeah. play was blown up from the oh, yeah. jump. Like, yeah. Caleb McGarry got blasted, and Algier just bounces off from like, like a prime Marshawn Lynch and just barrels his way into the end zone, yeah. beating DeMar, uh, DeMario Davis to the edge. It was just like, what on earth is going right now? Because to me, that looked like a three-yard loss. Okay, yeah, it's yeah. is it going to be a five-point game? And it's just those types of runs. You're just like, okay, this guy's different. He's not yeah. just someone that needs blocking to be productive. Like he can make something out of nothing. Because I think those are the special running backs you want to see. Uh, to each their own. Like obviously, we had you know, Michael Turner, and there's a Devontae Freeman. Like those types of running backs where they could turn losses into positive gains. It's like the best thing you could ask for. So I thought Algier did it, especially on that two-point conversion and. Uh, and I, you got to give credit to Arthur Smith. He wrote the hot hand as well because it was pretty clear Algier is the guy. Even though the Cordell Patterson will always be a threat, it's just times you got to ride the hot hand. And 
hopefully it continues that. And, you know, credit to Algier, because I think Algier has been a bit forgotten about because obviously with Patterson, he's the people's champ. And I think Caleb Huntley's had a really good year. Algier at times has been a little forgotten about. And today he made his mark. He's, he's going to be, he's here to stay. Yeah. 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 Um, <clears throat> yeah. So I, I'm, I'm excited about Algier and, and his play and he's been, Doing a great job with, like, honestly. So you went for 139 yards, which is the second most in a single game rushing yards. It's the second most in a single game this season. Cordero Patterson, of course, had that insane 141 yard uh, outburst against the Seattle Seahawks earlier this season. Uh, both both of those were on 17 carries, but yeah, Algier overall, he has you know, really settled into his role nicely. And I think he has been exactly what you wanted him to be uh, out of a fifth-round pick this season. I think he's given you exactly what you wanted, you know, out of him, that, you, you know, that that sort of thunder to the Cordero Patterson Lightning, so to speak. And I guess with, when Caleb Huntley was playing, they were it was just thunder and thunder. It was two battling rams. But he was fantastic in this game. Like, you know, he was breaking tackles. He had that really long run where, you know, I want to sing the praises of the unsung heroes. Parker Hesse had that amazing block to spring. Yeah. Really yeah. long game. But Algier yeah. was not going to go down. He was never going to go down, you know, after a minimal gain. He was never going to go down before getting to the line to gain. Every single time that the Falcons needed a certain number of yards, Algier got either that many or one more whenever it was a third down in question. Uh, and honestly, I'm really happy that one of these, you know, fourth to fifth round running backs that the Falcons have loved to take for years since, what, 2017, 2018. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy that one of them has finally started to pan out a little bit because None of the other ones have, have panned out. Like, yeah. the lists, of, like, uh, I can read you out the names. Since 2017, running backs, the Falcons have gotten on day three. Yeah, but Ito, Ito Smith. Um, I know Brian Hill. Brian yeah. Hill in 2017. Ito Smith was a fourth rounder in, in 2018. Quadri Allison was a fifth oh, rounder. Quadri, yeah, yeah. So that's three years in a row of just drafting essentially busts fourth and fifth round picks at running back. I mean, no disrespect to those guys, but let's be honest here. I thought all the bad yeah. problems too, which hurts. Maybe yeah. I Brian they did. Hill, they did. Hey, never forget that Brian Hill week 17 game against Carolina a yeah. few years ago. But yeah, Tyler Algier, like I think he has had more production this season than any of those guys have like yeah. ever no, I think he's what second in in yardage for a Falcons rookie running back like all time. Yeah. 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 Um he has over 650 yards or something like yeah, that. He, he surpassed Jarius Norwood today. Yeah. That's, that's, so shout out to Man. Jarius Norwood. That's that's a blast from the past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, I, I forgot who the number one running back was on that list. We'll show the graphic. Was it William Andrews? I think it was William Andrews. Was like I think so. Almost yeah. 1,100. So. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be hard to beat. That's gonna yeah, be hard. I don't think it was TJ Duckett as much as I love TJ Duckett. I don't think TJ Duckett. No, I don't think that was his rookie year. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think it. I think it was. William, I think I, Andrews had like nearly eleven hundred as a rookie. Yeah, I think that was what it was. Um, so I, I don't think Algiers catching him at this point. But like, it's nice to see that 
and like Caleb Huntley, for those questioning why Caleb Huntley wasn't playing, he had like a he was declared out with an ankle injury like after his like first or second carry. So I I'm concerned that he has a serious injury because um, he was declared out like immediately. Um, so we'll have to monitor that. But that's why Caleb Huntley wasn't playing. Um, so maybe we'll call Damian Williams back. <laughs> oh, man, Damian Williams got cut. Like yeah. he has precious legs in the NFL right I now. know. We're going to get – finally, Damian Williams will come in. Um, uh, I love the report of, oh, yeah, he's cut. He, you know, he's healthy and he has fresh legs. Like, yeah, I, I would hope he has fresh legs. Like, yeah. shit. His fresh legs. I would legs, hope so. <laughs> yeah, he has as fresh legs as we do this season. He has two yeah. carries. Yep. All right, guys. Well, let me read off our last few donations here. Thanks again, everyone, for donating. Um, we got – Corey with the $1, he says, picking seventh overall puts us in range for guys like Peter Skaronsky, Osiris Torrance, and Keely Ringo, maybe even Paris Johnson, the offensive tackle. Yeah, I mean, I think Osiris Torrance is a guy that's probably going to go later, but yeah, I mean, he's probably the top guard. Um, Keely Ringo is definitely someone to consider, but to me, it's like if they're picking at seven, I mean, Peter Skaronsky is definitely on the list paris johnson definitely but to me it's like brian brzee is probably who you're hoping for at seven the defensive tackle from clemson um just a total physical monster like absolute unit type of guy um so that to me is who i'd have circled there maybe it maybe one of the edge guys like a tyree wilson or you know miles murphy if he falls perhaps um i know everyone's like f- afraid of clemson edge rushers so whatever but yeah those are the guys i would um scout the player um, not the helmet folks uh, there you go <laughs> yeah that, great that's, great words of wisdom there yeah definitely um but yeah those are who i'm looking at uh, Corey also says with the one dollar so tired of watching Taysom hill take the ball and shotgun and run us over every time yeah it's it's pretty predictable yeah. unfortunately yeah what 2018 I, I was shocked when they did a pretty good job at stopping him this time yeah. actually but like, abulus anderson stopped him one time where yeah. he just put him up and then that last third down, it was Rashawn Evans got to him. It was just a team effort to just take him down for a no-gainer on that one. So, you know, hopefully we see more of that because Taysom Hill has never been stopped outside of those two plays against the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's you know, he's, he's, co- he's, co- he's still got that big contract. They'll be paying him for a while for those plays against the Atlanta Falcons. So, yeah, he's like, there. There's a shit ton of dead cap, bitch. Just like every... <laughs> Every other player on their roster, they can't. Oh my god! It's it's like I think when we saw it, when like Fontenot came over, we're like, oh, I wonder if he's gonna run this like New Orleans or if he's gonna. We were actually doesn't, yeah, and it was like going to, yeah, and it's like actually no, he actually doesn't want anything to do with that stretch. (laughs) That's not him at all. That's why he wanted to leave. (laughs) Yeah, he was probably the dude telling Mickey Loomis like, don't do this, like stop, Mickey, stop. He's already dead. You know. (laughs) <laughs> and they just like, like they kept restarting. By the way, I don't know how they're gonna get over, like get to a point where they can sign their own draft. Structures, they have to keep restructuring, guys. That's that's it's a big part of it. Yeah, so much money that like they have to get out from. Like it's it's un- and they can't make any trades really. Well, it's 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 they've literally backed themselves into the corner of they have to restructure again, like. They've set themselves up so their only option with a lot of these contracts is to just restructure again. Um, it's just it's it's dark. Like they, I mean, they can get under, but like it, 
there's not really any good like trades won't work for a lot of these contracts like cuts won't even work for a lot of these contracts they have to restructure to create savings so it's it's pretty like i i just don't i don't understand why they did it again this year like this would have been the perfect year for them to be like okay we don't really have our quarterback we don't really have the roster we want it let's do what the falcons are doing let's sort of take our medicine let's get rid of these bad contracts and we'll reset and they're like nope we're just gonna do it again like run it back we're we're we're, we're perfectly fine with Jameis winston as and the result yeah. and i get it you know we just got swept so we can't really talk much shit, but the result is the exact same record as the falcons this season and their worst record since what for 2006 since yeah, the yeah. era yeah like guys like michael thomas Next year will be $28 million cap hit, and you can't trade him because he has a $25 million dead cap hit. So, you know, you're sort of stuck with him. And, yeah, like they have to keep restructuring him, keep pushing that money back. And, you know, it's just every one of their guys is like this. Yeah. And, like, I know folks are saying it's like, oh, well, they get out of it every year. They're not getting out of anything. They're just pushing the money into the future. Like, it's just the same – thing but every year they do it it lowers their wiggle room so like you're just and like every year these players are getting older so like eventually these guys like like michael thomas for instance perfect example it's all it's all well and good you can keep restructuring him to infinity until he's not playing for you anymore now you're playing a guy paying a guy 30 million dollars not to play for you like it's all it all is fine and works great until it doesn't and that's exactly what's happening right now and will ha- happen probably next year as well. So Yeah, and uh, also this past offseason, they did start paying for it. Like they had to trade Jerome Armstead, for example. They lost Marcus Williams, for example. Like they, they don't just get out of this completely. Like they have it, – it's fine. Like the Piper has finally started to get paid. It's just not all at once. It's little by little. Um, and yeah, that COVID year really screwed them over. Um, yeah. But yeah, even a guy like Alvin Kamara, for example, like yeah, yeah, yeah. he is there for years now. Like they cannot move him for an, another three years. Well, they can in a couple of years, but you know, if, if he does, you know, ask out or like start falling off or anything, and they'll have to restructure him again this offseason. So we'll, we'll see where that goes. Yeah, but yeah, it's. It's not going to be fun to be a Saints fan this offseason, pretty much. No, they're going to get used to what it was like for us, where it's like, well, what bargain basement free agents can we sign, you know? <laughs> oh, do we have enough money to do we have enough money to sign the draft class, you know? So, uh, enjoy that, Canal Street Chronicles. Uh, <laughs> hell of a name. I always say that they do have a hell of a yeah, name. Yeah, that's a great name. The, no, no shade whatsoever on the name. It's a, that's a great name. I mean, it's not quite the Falcoholic. I mean, that's no, 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 no. Yeah, that's there's, there's, le- there's levels to this. Yeah, there's levels, but right below the Falcoholic, Canal Street Chronicles, right there yeah. in terms of name, and they, they have a lot of great people working there. Even though they're Dirty Saints fans, they're they're good people for sure. So, um, all right, got a couple more donations, and we'll wrap things up, guys. Thank you so much for hanging out. We got Andre Fuller. What's up, man? Thanks so much with the three dollars. He says, "I believe in Terry's ability to scout talent. I also believe in Arthur Smith's vision." Falcons fans are so used to new coaches starting hot like Smith and Dan Quinn. Understandably so, but you have to understand this team is starting from the bottom. Draft defense, wide receivers, and spend money wisely in free agency. Yeah, this is sort of a different approach than they've taken in years past, right? Um, It's slow and methodical and really trying to be responsible with the spending. 
And I, I think that's the best way for long-term sustained success to do that. Um, we just have to see it work. Like so far, we're probably going to get two, you know, sub 500 seasons in a row. So we need it to work. But yes, I agree with you. Like, I think this is the right way to build a team. I think they're doing it the right way. Um, we just have to see it come together. That's what we're waiting on. Also, right I will yeah. definitely take a change of pace from Smith and Quinn where it was, you know, start out really hot and then completely flame out toward the end where, you know, the team looks like a disaster the last two years uh, of those coaching tenures. So I'll take a start out slow and then, like, you know, build your way, way hopefully to the top after a few years. So, yeah, you know, we'll see how that goes. Also, Dan Quinn's first year, like, Remember, he started out five and zero, and we were just like feeling ourselves, and then, you know, then like they lost six games in a row. Yeah, yeah, yep. All right, we got two more George Costanza jokes for you. Okay, guys, you guys ready? Let's go. George, George is great at the bad jokes. Some, some of them are pretty good though. I got, I gotta admit. But, um, all right, this is the first one from George. Okay, uh, he says, okay, this is this is a lyric. You know, I, I, if you're a Falcons fan, I feel bad for you, son. We got 99 problems, but 33 point blown lead ain't one. So, you just got to dot, you know, stick the knife in on Matt Ryan there, that, George. That, that was the biggest <laughs> comeback in NFL. Yeah. That beat circling the wagons as yep. the biggest comeback uh, was. Poor Chase, man. Poor Chase. For Matt Ryan, like his legacy, no matter good or bad, no matter what, is going to be those two games. Yeah. Shout out to Sarah Ryan for the tweet of the day. Matt, Matt Ryan is a wonderful wife, at least. And, you know, she yeah, Sarah Ryan's awesome. Politics. Yeah. I loved Sarah Ryan calling out certain bad actors on Twitter for their you know unsubstantiated rumors as well. This um, is also very Sarah true. Ryan's the goat of Twitter, for sure. Uh, yeah, so, but, but the good news, Kevin, is all of his other predictions have come to fruition. They certainly have. You know, c- clearly Desmond Ritter was not going to start, and like they would only do it, you know, if the fan it, they would do it to to accommodate the fan base only. Um, so thank you, Arthur Smith, for accommodating us. Um, yeah, Arthur Smith really gives a fuck about the fans. Yes, he clearly cares what I have to say. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he really cares what the fan base has to say based on yep. everything he's done so far. I'd say. Yep definitely listens to exactly what the Falcons fans want on, on stuff. Um, the media, right. you, you really yeah. care about the media. Big, well. big time. Yep. Definitely he's, doesn't give the media shit. At yeah, he's a big deal yeah. No, they give us access. So, you know, shout out to, to the Falcons. We've had no trouble getting yeah. credentials for anything. So shout out to them. But uh, I'm not going to lie. Arthur Smith can disrespect the media all he wants. As long yeah. as, can go to as long as we get to go. Yeah. I mean, if you want to talk shit to me, that's absolutely fine. Cause I talk shit about them all the time. So if they yeah. want to say my yeah. coverage sucks, that's absolutely fair game. So they haven't said that to be fair. They've been very nice to me actually, but you know, uh, it, it would be okay. If like, they didn't like what I wrote, if they wanted to say it sucked, like that's fine. Yeah. That is fair. Um, all right, we got one more. He says, Matt Ryan was making my jersey, uh, George says, uh, Matt Ryan was making my Jersey Mike sandwich for me. I ordered the foot long, but he only put the Philly cheesesteak and cheese on half of it. I said, what the hell, bro? He's, he told me I don't do the second half. All right, get out of here. Uh, <laughs> Thank you, George, though. You know this. Yeah, yeah. Look, if, if we don't read his bad jokes, who will, you know? <laughs> this is unfortunately true yeah <laughs> no thank you everyone that donates so we really appreciate you guys thanks for hanging out and trying to make uh make light of of a tough game um 
and uh, it's it's better to it's better when we get to process it together, have our little group therapy sessions here. Um, so, and I appreciate my co-host for for uh, chipping in as well. First of all, Alan Sturk at Alan Sturk on Twitter. Alan, anything you're working on you'd like to plug? Uh, I'm definitely do another roundtable this week, and maybe try to focus on the defense more because I know it's it's our website the past what ten days has been everything Ritters. So maybe it's best to you know, distance itself and give the readers some variety of content. Yeah, I appreciate that. I'm sure we maybe you know maybe we hyped up. Maybe it was our fault. Maybe we hyped up Ritter too much for the clicks. You know, I certainly only did like three shows about Ritter. You know, so it's certainly you know I did I did my part, but um, you know, it was hard yeah. not to. It was hard not to. Look, we got to yeah. get the nothing else is going on around here. Have you guys seen the Falcons? Okay, like it's 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 the only thing we're talking about. But uh, yeah, definitely check that out. Those roundtables are a lot of fun. Um, also with us we have. Adnan Ikich at Say Which Way. Adnan, anything you're working on you'd like to plug? Um, Fantasy Stud and Dud article goes as it does every week. And, you know, new weekly articles. Man, it got dark since the show started. <laughs> um, it's that time of year. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it's 523. It got dark. Um, yep. New weekly articles. Or, excuse me. The What If We Win or Lose article, I... We can make a commitment not to talk about the playoffs as much in that article. I will be looking at drafts, you know, at draft standings more so than anything on those. So check that out. Absolutely. It's time for draft season, folks. Draft season. Draft, draft season's here. Yep. Here we go. I know you guys are excited about that. Uh, I, I made my senior bowl scouting list the other day. So we're getting into it. Um, no, the, the people love, people love draft takes. We can have. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, we can have Arthur Blank on the show, and people will be like, "Oh, oh yeah, but like, like you know, what about the mock draft that we're?" Yeah, double- can you like tell me about the mock draft though? Like, yeah, I don't really care about you, know, Brett Jukes, yeah, the Falcons, Jukes, just and they're like, like yeah. "Oh yeah, that's cool," but like, can you do the mock draft now? You know, <laughs> Man was giving us like insights that you that nobody else knew and everyone's like, oh, all right, enough of this. Like he was know, like literally months. like, Oh yeah. By the way, you know, the red helmets are coming back, you know, like months before it was reported and everyone was like, yeah, but can you like tell me who we're picking at eight? Like, that'd be great. Yeah. What slot <laughs> corner should we look at? Yeah, exactly. Time? So, so seventh round picks, who do you guys like? You know, <laughs> What about Georgia? Where does yeah. Georgia fit in this? Yeah. Got to get Uga in here immediately. So, yeah. um, and we yeah, took two dogs last year. We did. We didn't even make the team. Um, the other one, you know, also isn't doing anything. So maybe we'll take some actual Georgia players this year. Well, yeah, because what Fitzpatrick is on IR, and so is Schaefer. Or well, Schaefer's back, I guess. But but neither of uh, yeah, neither, neither of them have played, played as far as I know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, maybe we get Kaylee Ringo. Maybe, maybe. Hopefully not. Maybe it's <laughs> not at wild. seven. Not at seven. Maybe it's yeah. at seven. Who knows? He's a oh, champ. there you go. Nothing. Nothing says let's win like five, ten quarterbacks that aren't athletic. Yeah, you know, I'm being <laughs> I promise you, there's some viewers who are like, yeah, let's get Stetson at seven. You know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a reason Stetson Bennett is not being mocked high, folks. It's not because he's a bad quarterback. It's because look into your mind and and try to think about any quarterback that you know that's 5'10 in the NFL because I I have news for you even Russell Wilson's like 5'11 or at least they like gas him up to be 5'11 is but, Baker 5'10 no terrible I example Baker, Baker, Baker's six foot flat I oh think. wow yeah so Baker's short for NFL quarterbacks yeah but uh 
I believe Russell Wilson's the shortest NFL starter at 5'11". But it's just, it is so hard to play quarterback in the NFL at under six foot. It's, it's just, hard to play quarterback when you're well, like six foot, let alone like. Yeah, you know, it's hard to play when you're six foot five, you know. But the chat's right, Kevin. Kyler Murray's 5'10". Oh, you're right. You're right. Oh, Kyler Murray, you're absolutely right. Kyler Murray oh, is, is a short king. Kyler Murray is a short king. Uh, he hasn't played uh, like a king this year, though. Yeah, you're right. I, I've yeah. been very disappointed. Uh, I, I know Murray, he's a man down. Kyler but, Murray yeah. is, you know, successful overall at 5'10", but he also ran a 4'3", I don't think Stetson... I don't think Stetson's going to run a 4'3". I think Stetson could run in, like, the 4'7s, which is honestly not bad for a quarterback. Um, like, Ritter ran, like, a 99th percentile 40 for a quarterback at, like, 4'5". So, for, to give you an idea. Um, but... Yeah, I I don't. It's not that I don't think Stetson Bennett can't play in the NFL, but I think his ceiling is probably an NFL backup with maybe some spot starting upside. That's all, uh, and that's perfectly fine. Lots of guys have had long NFL you just hate like that. You, I, you you're just, right. I just hate Georgia players. You're yeah. absolutely right. You hate it, the dogs like the Falcons. You know, no it's it me, win. guy who just you know advocated for Jordan Davis all day, you know, or whatever. It's very true, Kevin. <laughs> Let him know. Let him know. <laughs> it me, you know, this guy and and George Pickens. I was a big fan of George Pickens too. So yeah, we, um, we need a you know we need some champions on this team. We do. None of these guys they know how to win. Yeah, bring that winning attitude in here. Oh man, Mike Mayock would be proud of this comment. <laughs> What, Kyle Pitts of Florida? What's Florida won in the past two Yeah, days? exactly. Get some dogs in here. You know, what? what's USC won since, since the mid-2000s? You know, you know, no wonder this team's losing. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you guys so much. I'm Kevin. I have foul call Kevin. Uh, you can follow my stuff on there. It'll be a little bit of a quieter week probably at the site because it's a holiday week and all that, but there'll definitely be lots of great content on there still. Uh, we'll be still be doing the Wednesday show, Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern, so you can check us out there. Like I said, like and subscribe if you haven't done so already. If you're listening to the podcast, audio, leave us a five-star review. Uh, if you're interested in donating to our Senior Bowl Fund, you can do so at streamlabs.com slash thefalcoholic slash tip if you'd like to leave a question. If you do it while we're off air, we will read it on the next show, so don't worry about that. If you prefer Venmo, which I know a lot of people do, uh, you can just go to my Twitter, at Kevin, and I have it linked there. If that's easier for you, we appreciate that too. So thank you guys so much for all your support. Thanks for watching. Thanks for doing everything, hanging out for, like I said, our group therapy sessions here. Um, Until next time, guys, have a great rest of your football Sunday. I hope it's a good one. Uh, Enjoy your holiday week. We'll see you next time on the Falcoholic Live. Until then, guys, have a great night, folks. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.